Good morning, everyone. Father, we thank you for your servant, Steve. We thank you for his diligence in studying your word. Father, we pray now that your very spirit himself would bring forth that which you want to expose to us and teach us by this morning. So bless your servant, Lord, and bless the, the, uh, the hearts in front of him, Lord, who will receive this word. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Morning, everyone. God bless you all. It's good to be here again. Before I do start to speak, and I am continuing on where we left off in Ephesians chapter 5, I'd just like to speak a little bit about what Paul said earlier in terms of prayer. And it's a real blessing to see you in here. Now I'm going I'm to dampen Paul's spirits a little bit maybe, I'm not, I, and that's not what I intend to do, but I don't believe that Ian sat here because of Paul's prayer alone. I believe that we as a fellowship have been praying ever since that night at the bowling and Paul brought that message back to us as a fellowship I know for a fact that every single prayer meeting that I have been at Ian has been prayed for and I'm sure that Ian has been prayed for at other prayer meetings and in your own private prayer time as well so I want to say that should be a real encouragement to us as a fellowship that our perseverance in prayer and Paul's prayer might have been the final one that that God responded to, that God, you know, that got it over the line, as it were. And I know there's better ways of putting it. But I personally think that that is a great example of how we should be persevering in our prayer life and what a result God brings from the perseverance of our prayer. So it's great to see... I want to thank Paul for sharing that with us this morning. It's great to see you here this morning, yeah? And praise God, absolutely right. Nothing that we've done, everything that he's done. Amen. Um, I'm going to read quickly from Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to read from verse 21 to verse 33. Um, if you've got your Bibles in front of you, that's great. If you've got your Bible app, that's great. Well, this is what it says. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, 
Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. <coughs> Amen. Amen. So, as Nigel's already mentioned earlier this morning, I'm, I'm going to look at this section of, of, of Ephesians chapter 5 now, and I'm going to do it slightly differently to how I've been doing over previous weeks. So in previous weeks, we've looked at the verses, and we've gone through verse by verse, and taken each verse in turn, and had a look at what that means, and what that's saying to us, and what God is speaking to us through his word. But I think if you do that with this section, it becomes a little bit more difficult. So what I thought would be good for us to do over the next couple of weeks was to look at it and the subjects of what's contained within those verses. And by that, what I mean is, I think we should look at wives and then we're going to look at husbands. So I'm going to start with wives this week. And I think that, that makes it easier for us to take in for us to put into context if we can view it from those perspectives rather than going through verse by verse. And I hope you, you know, it'll be useful for, for us all. I want you to think back to last week. And we concentrated last week on that verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to devote our attention to the duty of the wife, as it says, to submit to her husband, as a reflection of the submission of the church to Christ. And then next week, God willing, we're going to concentrate on the submissive spirit of the husband in relation to his wife. Now, before all the husbands start getting all too excited about how the wives should be submitting to them in everything that they do, I want you to look at how many verses there are there. I think they're around about 13 verses. Three and a half of them are directed at the wives. How many does that mean are directed at the husbands? A lot more. So don't get too excited, husbands, just because we're looking at the wives this week. Your time will come. And whilst there's many in the world and perhaps many in the church that do not like what Paul has to say to wives in these verses, there really is little doubt as to what he's written. But we want to keep in mind that general command, that overall command in verse 21 that says we must all be submissive to one another out of reverence for Christ. It covers everything. And then we're going to apply it to wives this week. And then we're going to apply it to husbands next week. And he repeats his instruction three times. Each time giving more detail as to what is required of the godly Christian wife in her submission to her husband. So let's look at the command, first of all. Be subject or be submissive. I think our difficulty in the world today with this command to be subject as a wife to your husband is that we don't really understand the meaning of the word to submit. You see, generally speaking, we think of the word submit and think that it's synonymous or means the same as obey. And it doesn't. We restrict 
submission. To refer only to that response to those who are in authority over us. And very often that's the case. That is what that relationship is, but it's not always the case. You see, Paul's instruction in verse 21 is directed at every believer. All who belong to Christ must be submissive. Christians, without exception, are to be subject to one another. No, no exceptions. No get-out clauses. Submission, then, doesn't only work upward. And when I say upward, I mean in terms of authority. It's not only upward, but downwards as well. It works both ways. And since we are commanded to submit ourselves to one another, we are all to place others above ourselves. And this idea is not just restricted to this bit of scripture. I'm going to read from Philippians. I want you to listen to what it says. It says in Philippians chapter 2, Do nothing from selfish, selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's how submissive we are commanded to be. Just as Jesus was submissive to the Father, so too we are all to be submissive in everything that we do to one another. And no one word, no one word can really sum up the essence of what the scriptures mean by submit. But I'm going to suggest a few words that this submission relates to. The first is surrender. Submission is a voluntary act of surrendering your own rights or will giving it up a second word is sacrifice putting others and other things before yourself a third word is service when we serve those we submit to it often involves those things we've already mentioned, sacrifice and surrendering. We've got other terms like authority within submission. And a fifth term, obedience in submission. When we submit to one who has authority over us, as the Bible describes, there are relationships like that. When we submit to someone who has authority over us, we evidence it 
with sacrificial service. And a final term I want to talk about is priority. Those to who we submit in some manner have priority over us, over our rights, over our pleasure, over our will. I want you to think about some of the different relationships we have. And Ephesians goes on to talk about some of them. Today we're talking about wives and husbands. And next week we'll be talking about husbands. But we're talking about the wife and husband relationship. Later in Ephesians we'll be looking at child and parents. And then we'll be looking at masters and slaves. But a wife's submission to her husband should be modelled after the church's submission to Christ. And whilst her husband's submission is to be modelled after Christ's headship over the church. And as I said, next week we'll look at that submission of the husband as the head of his wife. But today we're dealing with the submission of the wife to her husband as her head in marriage. But what's the scope of that submission? Well, from Scripture we know that the woman is to put herself under the headship of her husband. And there's a word in there that quite often gets missed. Her own husband. Not just anyone's husband, her own husband. And this word own indicates that there's a special submission required in that special relationship. And the same exclusiveness can be seen in the practice of love. And I'm going to explain that. We are told as believers to love everyone. We're commanded to love everyone, even our enemies. Our neighbour, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But the love of a woman for her husband is special and unique. It's not the same love as is applied generally to all. In these verses, the scope of the wife's submission is limited to her own husband. There are no restrictions specified or implied. It says that the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Now, a godly wife may not be able, before God, to obey her, every, her, every, her husband's every demand. Especially if he's not godly or not a Christian. But as we've already said, obedience and submission are not the same thing. I'm going to illustrate what I say. And I'm going to use the life of a godly woman recorded in Scripture. And you can see this tale, and it's not a tale in terms of it's made up, I believe it's true. You can see this story in 1 Samuel chapter 25. And I'm talking about Abigail. The Bible tells us that Abigail was married to a fool. 
a fool who was fittingly named Nabal. Nabal actually means fool, the Bible tells us. But Nabal, her husband, was a rich man. He had many cattle, flocks, herds. And I'm not going to go through the whole story, but I want to tell you that Nabal and his flocks were protected by David and David's men. They looked after them. And David went to Nabal and asked him for an expression of appreciation because he'd cared or he'd, he'd kept his flocks safe. David went and said to Nabal, I'd like you to show your appreciation for what I've done. Nabal hot headedly refused. This angered David. And David not only planned to kill Nabal, but also all the men associated with Nabal's household. And Abigail knew that her husband had refused to give David what he had asked for. And more than that, Abigail knew that her husband should really have given something to David for what he provided in terms of his protection. Abigail also knew that Nabal would forbid what she was about to do. Nevertheless, Abigail goes out to meet David and takes along with her the gifts that David had asked for. And she acknowledged to David that her husband was a fool. And she pleads for David not to commit evil by shedding blood. And David listens to Abigail and takes her gifts. Now there's more to that story and there's more to David and Abigail after that. But that's the bit we need for today. How can we justify Abigail's actions? In the light of Paul's teaching in Ephesians chapter 5 about wives submitting to husbands, how can we justify Abigail's actions? How can her actions illustrate submission? They certainly don't illustrate obedience. But the key to understanding the actions of Abigail is to understand the essence of what submission is. Submission is placing yourself under another. And like we've already said, it's not always expressed in obedience. Abigail placed herself under Nabal, her husband. But Abigail placed her own interests below those of her husband. She could not defend or support the decision of her husband because he was wrong. But she placed herself at risk to save his life. She went out to meet the man who was angry and ready to kill her husband. Even though she knew her husband wouldn't want her to. She pled with David for her husband's life. And when you read, actually ask that the blame be hers. 
What better thing or what more could she do for her husband? How much more submissive could she be than that? Obedient, no. Submissive, yes. How easy would it have been for her to fulfill the appearance of submission by just choosing to do nothing? Once she realised that David was coming to kill Nabal, she could have just let it happen. She'd have been better off to all intents and purposes. She'd have got rid of a fool of a husband and not had to put herself in any danger. Doing nothing would have actually been to her advantage. But acting as she did, she put herself at greater risk. By doing nothing, her husband would have died. But by her stepping in, he didn't die then. This is true submission. Acting on behalf of another for their benefit at your own expense. When Paul speaks of the wife being in submission to her own husband in everything, he means that the wife's submission to her own husband is to be complete across the board and without exception. And the verses that we look at today give guiding principles for the wife's submission to her husband. And the principles are this. In verse 21, it's in the fear of Christ. In verse 22, it's as to the Lord. And in verse 24, it's as the church is subject to Christ. I want you to notice the central and common element in all three statements. Jesus Christ. Submission in all of its expressions is rendered in the fear of Christ or as to the Lord. Our submission to others is a reflection and an outworking of our own submission to Christ. I want you to look also, and look as hard as you will, you won't find it because it's not there. It's significant, I believe, to know what isn't said. Nowhere in this text, nowhere is there anything said about qualifications which a husband must meet. Nowhere. It says the wife must submit to the husband in everything, but doesn't mention any qualifications that the husband has to have in order for that to be the case. It doesn't even say that he must be a Christian. And in a similar text in 1 Peter chapter 3, the submission of the wife is required even if the husband, it says, is disobedient to the word. Now for the wife to submit... Her husband doesn't have to be intelligent, wise, or a spiritual leader. In fact, the only qualification required or stated is that he is in fact her husband. The fact that he is her husband is the only qualification given. And as such, the wife's submission to him is a reflection of the submission of the church to Christ. 
If the husband utterly fails to fulfill his obligations as laid down by Paul, and we'll come on to them next week, and there's far more of them than there are for the wives, but if a husband fails to fulfill them, this doesn't relieve the wife of her duty. It doesn't relieve the wife of her obligation to submit to him. Indeed, I believe, and Jill was talking about it at at Bible study during the week, the wife's submission in that situation becomes even more striking, becomes even more and provides even more testimony to the power of Christ in her life. You see, Paul's instructions aren't given to make submission easy but they are given to challenge us to godly living. And there are some practical implications of this instruction as well. Firstly, in order to be able to obey Paul's command to be submissive, the Christian wife needs to understand the teachings or the doctrine of Scripture. Verse 23 says that Christ is the saviour of the body and the husband is to be to the wife like Christ is to the church. That means that the wife has to understand the doctrine or the teaching of salvation. She needs to live with her husband as the church lives toward Christ. The wife therefore needs to understand the doctrine of the church as well. And at the very least, the godly Christian wife needs to understand the relationship of Christ and his church as it's been laid down in the first four chapters of Ephesians. And in addition to this, Not only does the wife need to know the scriptures about the church and about Christ, but scripture says that she should meditate upon them in order that she would discern how the relationship of Christ and church is played out in her conduct in relation to her husband and her marriage. And from this study of the scripture and meditation and prayer and spending time with other godly women, the wife must come to a conclusion about what specific actions are required within her marriage. Come to some personal convictions about those things that aren't clearly defined by scripture. Because if you look in these three verses, it doesn't say exactly what the wife has to do in her submission and how that practically should work out. It just says it should be the case. You see, whether our culture agrees with it or not, and actually whether we agree with it or not, the clear teaching of the text, supported by other equally clear scriptures, is that wives are to be subject to their own husbands in everything. 
And the basis for this submission is the relationship of Jesus and his church. And the purpose of the wife's submission is to symbolically demonstrate the submission of the church to its head, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so actually, to fail to submit to your husband is to disobey the Lord. And it's to dishonour the word of God. And it distorts the representation of Christ and his church. And I want you to go way back to Ephesians chapter 1. And what we read from Ephesians chapter 1 through to Ephesians chapter 3, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then in Ephesians chapter 3, it says this incredible thing. It talks about the church and God using the church to show those in the heavenly realms what is good. So come back to this scripture. Not only are we representing to those out there the relationship between Christ and the church in our marriages, but in our marriages we're also showing those in the heavenly realms what God wants them to see. And that really is incredible to think. A commitment to marriage to a young man or an old man for that matter is a commitment to a lifetime of submission to that man. And if there's any one question in a woman's mind concerning marriage it should be this one. Is this the kind of man I want as my head? to whom I will submit in all things for the rest of my life? That's really the only one question to be asked. And once in a marriage relationship, that question needs to be put aside. Once in that marriage relationship, that question no longer applies. The man you have married is the man to whom you must submit. Not due to any merit on his part, not due to his level of intelligence or spiritual know-how. Not because he's a good leader. Not because he deserves to be followed. But because he is, as your husband, supposed to be the picture of Christ in your marriage. And you are the picture of his church. Our world, or our culture, is adamant in its resistance to this type of teaching. Particularly regarding the submission of wives to husbands. Our own flesh resists submission to others. All of us. Our own flesh seeks to put our interests first rather than the other way around. And the devil persists. And he has done from the beginning. To promote, and this is what he's persisted with, he has promoted rebellion against God's authority and leadership. And said, it's alright to do things your own way. Even if it's just this once. <coughs> you see, true submission 
is not difficult. It's impossible. It's impossible in our own strength. There is absolutely no way that we can, in and of our own strength, submit. But that only means that we need to look to God for the strength. We need to look to God to produce that of which we are incapable. But He commands it by His Word. And if He commands it, He expects it. And if He expects it, He will equip us. This text on submission follows immediately after Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit. And it's only as the Holy Spirit controls our life and we allow the Holy Spirit to control our life that we will have the ability to obey these types of commands. It's God's work. We've got to trust Him to do it. It's God's work. We've got to cooperate with Him rather than be resistant against it. All of human history is about the divine purpose of God to bring all things under God's authority in heaven and on earth in Christ. Satan rebelled against God's authority when he fell. Then he tempted Adam and Eve to follow in his steps. And Jesus Christ came to this earth the first time so that some might submit to him for salvation. He's coming again. He's coming again, but next time it's to subject all those who have rebelled against his authority and headship to him. I read from Philippians earlier, and I'm going to read the bit that comes after it now. So it said that, if you remember earlier, we talked about Jesus submitting himself even to death on a cross. That's how it finished. And he was talking about putting interests of others above yourself. This is what it says about Jesus straight after that. Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I'm going to finish with a few questions. First of all, have you submitted to him by faith? Have you trusted in Jesus as God's salvation for your life? Do you know Jesus as your only way to heaven? If you don't, then awaiting you on that dreaded day when he comes back, you will bow. But you will bow because he will force you to bow. If you choose him today, you can bow now and voluntarily submit. And I want to tell you that is infinitely better than having to bow forcibly later. In closing, I pray 
that we would all submit to him as our saviour. I pray that we wouldn't wait until we are forced to acknowledge him as the one we rejected. You see, there's a world of difference between submission and subjection. But what a beautiful thing submission is when we do it properly, when we do it his way and in his strength. And it's actually a privilege. We're talking about wives and husbands now, but go back to verse 21, we're to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. It's a real privilege that we have, that God has given to us to practice submission. For his glory and for our good. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for its truth. Father, I just pray that we would be able to hear what it was you were saying to us this morning. Lord, that we will be able to take your words, that they will be real to us and truth, and we will be able to apply them in our lives, that they wouldn't go in one ear and out the other, but Lord, we would take hold of them, that we would grasp onto it, Father, and we would start to walk in the way that you would have us walk. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we do not do this in our own strength. Thank you, Father, that we can rely wholly upon you to equip us for our every need. Lord, I ask that you bless us as we seek to be obedient to you. Be with us this week and bring us back safely together next time we meet. For I ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Let's go and have a cup of tea.